This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College. Join them for two weeks digging up dinosaur bones from the Jurassic period in Northwest Colorado this summer. For details, go to cncc.edu slash dinodig. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Hello, and welcome to I Know Dino, the The Big Big Dinosaur Dinosaur Podcast, Podcast. where we cover news, interviews, and discussions of all things dinosaur. Hello, and welcome to I Know Dino. I'm Garrett, and Sabrina is away in Canada, but she'll magically appear for the Dinosaur of the Day. This week, our Dinosaur of the Day is Afrovenator. We have a ton of dinosaur news. And it's episode 99, which means the next episode will be episode 100. If you're interested in joining our growing Patreon community, please go to patreon.com slash inodino, and Patreon is P-A-T-R-E-O-N. So now jumping into the news, there's a new giant titanosaur that was discovered in South America, but rather than Argentina, this one's from Brazil. And specifically, it's from southeast Brazil near Sao Paulo, to be specific. It's named Austroposeidon Magnificus, and the Austro means southern in allusion to South America. And Poseidon was selected because of the Greek god with the same name who was supposedly responsible for earthquakes. And I'm not sure if that's because it was so big that it was earthquakey or what exactly that's about. And then Magnificus is basically because it's so big and magnificent. (laughs) Pretty simple. So they found several partial vertebrae and a partial rib in a late Cretaceous formation. The vertebrae are really big and several are almost half a meter tall, more than one and a half feet for a vertebrae. You know, in our back, it's probably like an inch or two. So pretty impressive. The authors claim that it is the first giant titanosaur discovered in Brazil, and it does look pretty huge. They estimate the length at 25 meters or about 82 feet, while the previous longest from Brazil was about half that length. With CT scans, they found dense growth rings in the neck vertebrae, which hadn't been seen before in any sauropod, so that's a pretty unique discovery they had there. And the researchers also believe that there are more dinosaurs to discover in central Brazil, but cite a lack of funding as the main reason they haven't been found yet, compared with all the ones that are being discovered in Argentina. I think it might have a little bit to do with uh, the landscape too, because if there's forest there, it makes it a lot harder to find. And I think Argentina might be a little bit more exposed, but I'm not sure. Next up, when we talked about the discovery of Spiclipius, which was one of my favorite dinosaurs to say, a few months back, we said that it appeared to have osteomyelitis in its leg. And if you don't remember, that's a type of infection that typically reaches the bone through the bloodstream and then spreads. So it's kind of like a very deep infection. And now it appears that a sauropod from Argentina may have also suffered from that type of bone infection. 
Researchers looked at 16 vertebrae from a titanosaur and believed that all 16 show evidence of the bacterial infection, and they described the texture as micro-bubbly, <laughs> which is pretty gross for a bone. And they say it has abscesses, pits, erosions, and grooves that were all caused by the infection. They say that the infection could have either originated in a distant part of the body and spread to the spine, or otherwise been introduced by a local trauma like a bite or something. There have been other paleopathologies described in sauropods, including diffuse idiopathic skeletal hyperostosis, or DISH, where ligaments calcify around the spine, as well as fused vertebrae in other specimens. So it's not the first back problem that a sauropod has had, but it's the first one of this type, at least. So even these huge titanosaurs that we typically think of as being pretty immune to predation still had plenty of issues to deal with. So it's not easy being enormous. <laughs> Speaking of titanosaurs, a Mongolian Japanese dinosaur expedition in the Gobi Desert may have found the largest ever dinosaur footprint. The footprint is over 42 inches or one meter long and looks like it's from a titanosaur. And I say... 42 inches long, but you probably know that sauropods had pretty round feet, kind of like an elephant foot, so it's more like three and a half feet in diameter, which is just enormous. There's a picture of the guy who discovered it laying next to it, and it's like just this enormous, almost like a, one of those big dog beds for like a Great Dane or something. The print looks to be about 80 million years old, but we don't know what dinosaur it came from, and there haven't been any titanosaur bones recovered in Mongolia that I know of, so hopefully the recent Institute for the Study of Mongolian Dinosaurs tour through Mongolia inspired some new paleontologists who will go out and find the footprint's creator soon. There are a couple new VR dinosaur things that I want to talk about. First, there's a new game for the Oculus Rift called Jungle Dino VR, and it only cost $10, so I didn't have high expectations, which was probably a good thing. If you Google it, you'll see a few videos that are 10 to 20 minutes long and kind of show what the game has to offer, and that's pretty much how long it takes you to go through the entire game. So it's kind of like walking through a wildlife preserve with Jurassic Park like the original style dinosaurs, complete with a sneezing Brachiosaurus and a territorial T-Rex. And they all basically just do one or two things, and most of them get activated when you kind of walk up to a certain point. And aside from the Brachiosaurus and T-Rex, there's a Parasaurolophus, Triceratops, Gallimimus, Stegosaurus, and Kylosaurus, featherless giant Utah raptors, also known as Velociraptors in Jurassic Park, and Dilophosaurus, which actually was relatively realistic. They made it like the full Dilophosaurus size rather than the goofy little dog-sized one. And even though it's really simple, I enjoyed it immensely because you can walk up right next to these dinosaurs for scale, and then you're looking up at the Brachiosaurus, and it's, you know, in the style where it's got the giraffe titan type neck where it sticks straight up. But even just like walking up next to the Triceratops is pretty cool to do. And I think the Triceratops was the only one where you could kind of interact with it specifically. And on the Triceratops, you could like hop on its back and then ride it around a little bit like a horse. That was kind of fun. Although I got stuck a few times on like invisible walls and stuff. But yeah, so 
if you have an Oculus Rift Jungle Dino VR is probably worth getting. Don't expect to spend a ton of time in it, but for 10 bucks, it's pretty cool to be able to go up and look at dinosaurs from all the different angles and things. The other VR news comes out of England. There's a few bits of the Jurassic Coast along the English Channel that are the topic of the fifth video in the Beautiful Britain in 360 Degrees series. Previously, they've covered things like the Tower of London and Hadrian's Wall. I think I'm saying that right. It's narrated by Chris Pamplin, who gives tours of the area, and it's a great way to see it if you can't make it there in person, like me. You don't have to have a VR headset or Google Cardboard to see it. You can watch it on YouTube and then just drag the video around with a mouse like you're doing any kind of virtual tour. But since Google Cardboard is so cheap now and it's available on Android and iPhones, I think it's probably worthwhile for everybody to just get one of these little viewers if you have a capable smartphone because they're so cheap, they're like 10 bucks. And then you can do this Jurassic Coast thing, you can do the David Attenborough with the Titanosaur, and there's more and more dinosaur things popping up in VR that are all really fun to watch. We have a ton of news out of the UK this week. If you're from the UK, you may be familiar with Eastnor Castle in Herefordshire. And every year, Eastford Pottery runs an event in the courtyard of the castle to invite visitors to help make big terracotta-type sculptures. This year, they made terracotta heads of a T-Rex, Triceratops, and two raptors. They had to coil up long lengths of clay to make a structure for the head before smoothing out the surface and finally adding decorative scales to it to kind of give it some personality. They estimate that over a thousand people helped on the structures, and they look really interesting. The scales are all individual pieces of art by different people who happen to go through the castle, so they have a really eclectic look to them. Right now they're on display at Eastnor Pottery, and they also have the pictures on their Facebook page, so we'll post a link if you want to see what they look like. The Triceratops, I think, is my favorite. The, the picture they have of the T-Rex head is like leaning against a fence post and it looks like it's kind of smushing it. So that one's a little odd. And then the raptors look really cool because one of them is kind of on top of the other one a little bit. Thanks to Patrick who shared this one with us on Facebook, more UK news. Ardman, the stop motion studio behind Wallace and Gromit, have begun production on a new film called Early Man and they released a trailer to celebrate. In the very brief trailer, it shows a caveman and a wild boar type thing running away from some huge dinosaur-like head. So it's not going to be very scientifically accurate, given that you have a caveman and dinosaur. But it will probably be pretty funny, especially if you're into the Wallace and Gromit or Chicken Run, I think it was called, comedy. The trailer says that it'll be released sometime in 2018, so I'm sure we'll hear more about it later. Last piece of UK news, there's a chapter book by Tom Fletcher called The Christmas Source about a boy and a theropod who meet on Christmas Eve. Anyway, it must have been really popular in Britain because there are eight foot tall versions of this dinosaur in Manchester and Bristol, and they're made out of giant crumpets. The company Warburton's apparently supplied 2,500 giant crumpets to make each sculpture which is just gloriously British. Apparently the book is already being made into a film, so if you're in the mood for some Christmas dinosaur mashup, you're in luck. 
back in the U.S., a couple of comedians walked around New York City to crowdsource an ad for Asus. And the comedians are from the Upright Citizens Brigade, which is a comedy group that Amy Poehler used to star in. She was one of the original members. And they have a lot of funny stuff. (laughs) So the ad basically boiled down to these comedians walking around and interviewing, they said, hundreds of people on the street and asking, like, what should the ad be like? So it starts out on like a beach with a T-Rex in the background, and then they end up going to a club, and then there are aliens, and then like a Godzilla-scale T-Rex pops in and starts destroying the club. So it's pretty funny if you're into short comedy videos and these crazy stories. It's kind of like Drunk History or something like that, where it's just all over the place and they have the voiceover going over the actors. It's pretty cool. And last in the news, there's a new dinosaur theme park in Moab, Utah called Moab Giants Dinosaur Park. It focuses on dinosaurs from Laramidia, or Western North America back in the Cretaceous, and it's primarily outdoor dinosaur recreations. It's cool that they did Laramidia since that's where Utah was back then, and I was pleased to see that they gave a lot of them featherish surfaces rather than scales, and they all look pretty great, especially for outdoor sculptures, which you know, have to be a little more durable than some of these indoor museum displays. They also have a building that shows different types of dinosaur tracks and two theaters. One of the theaters is something I've never seen before. It's called a paleo aquarium. And really aquarium should be in quotes because it's just a room with screens on all sides of it. And then you put on 3D glasses and there are plesiosaurs and things swimming around. And in their intro video, they show one of them like attacking the, you know, screen. So it looks like you're going to get eaten by a giant megalodon or something. And on the site, they also have a cafe and a bunch of kids' activities. So it looks like a pretty good stop. It's a little bit on the expensive side with adult tickets going for $16 and youth tickets going for about $12. But it's almost certainly worth it if you're going through the area on the way to something else. It's kind of in the middle of nowhere. This episode is brought to you by the Colorado Northwestern Community College, where you can become a part of the scientific process. As a participant, you can go on a real-life dinosaur dig, and you'll be helping to advance science and our understanding of the ancient world. What's really cool is that the fossilized bones that are being excavated, they're public, and they're going to be displayed and preserved for future generations to study and admire. Yeah, we've mentioned how that's a really important part of the scientific process, not just getting them out and describing them once, but keeping them and preserving them so that future questions and future scientists can take a look at those bones to answer new questions and validate results. And the site is special and also near and dear to me because it's in the Morrison Formation, known for the sauropods, Mm -hmm. of course, of the Jurassic time. And it represents one of the best bone beds ever found in the saltwash member. Yeah, the current interpretation is that the site was the result of a Brachiosaurus sort of jamming up a river and then other carcasses piling up behind it. Oh, no. And that's how we got a bunch of different types of dinosaurs all fossilizing together. So, oh, no, but also, yay. (laughs) Good for us as scientists. Mm -hmm. And dinosaur enthusiasts. Yes. So there are two scheduled digs if you want to get involved with getting these bones out of the ground. You can go from July 6th to July 20th or from July 22nd to August 5th. 
head over to cncc.edu slash dinodig. You'll get all of the details. Just make sure that you register online by May 31st. And again, that is cncc.edu slash dinodig, D-I-N-O-D-I-G. Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. And now for our dinosaur of the day, Afrovenator, which was a request from Cole via Patreon. So thanks, Cole. The name means African hunter, and it was a megalosaurid theropod that lived in the Middle Jurassic in what is now Africa, and specifically Niger. Fossils were found in 1993 in Niger near a sauropod named Jobaria, and Afrovenator was described in 1994 in the journal Science by Paul Serrano, Jeffrey Wilson, Hans Larsen, Didier Dutel, and Hans Dieter Seuss in the paper Early Cretaceous Dinosaurs from the Sahara. Originally, it was thought to have lived in the Cretaceous until sediments at the Tiorian Formation, where it was found, were further analyzed, and they found that it was actually from the Mid-Jurassic instead. One nearly complete skeleton was found, and it was most of the skull, parts of the spinal column, partial forelimbs, partial pelvis, and some of the hind limbs. The type species, and only species, is Afrovenator abacensis, and the species name refers to abaca, the Taurig name for the area of Niger where Afrovenator was discovered. It was about 26 feet or 8 meters long and weighed about 1 ton, and it was bipedal and had 3 claws on each hand, and it had long forelimbs and lower legs. It also had a pretty flat skull. The length is almost 3 times the height, though some of the skull is missing, so it might not be that flat. It has a few distinct traits, such as a low rectangular spine on the third neck vertebra and a flat, crescent-shaped wrist bone. It was lightweight and probably pretty fast, and its maxilla had 14 tooth sockets, though no teeth were found. There's no direct evidence that Afrovenator hunted Jobaria, but this may have happened, or at least Afrovenator may have gone after the juvenile Jobaria sauropods. A skeleton of Afrovenator is now at the University of Chicago. And again, Afrovenator is part of the group Megalosauridae. Though Serrano originally described Afrovenator as a basal spinosauroid, and another study in 2003 found it more closely related to Allosaurus, though no one else has concluded that. Huxley named the family Megalosauridae in 1869, and it was a wastebasket group, which means it included a large variety of unrelated species like Dryptosaurus, Ceratosaurus, Velociraptor. This group lived in the mid to late Jurassic about 170 to 148 million years ago, and they've been found in Europe, North America, South America, and Africa. They're cousins of Spinosauridae, and the group includes Afrovenator and Torvosaurus. Thomas R. Holtz offered an alternate group definition as all dinosaurs more closely related to Megalosaurus than to Spinosaurus, Allosaurus, or modern birds. They're primitive theropods, small to large size, with sharp teeth, and they had three claws on each hand. Big predators are usually harder to find than prey, so not too much is known about Megalosaurus, but Megalosaurus did look similar to T-Rex and may have been covered in proto-feathers. Big hairy guy. Yeah. (laughs) Sort of like hair. And our fun fact of the day comes from a question that I was kind of pondering, which was, we know that 
birds are dinosaurs, since we can show that birds evolved from dinosaurs, and that alligators are reptiles because they evolved from other reptiles. But why aren't dinosaurs considered fish, since we know that dinosaurs evolved from fish? Well, basically, it's because dinosaurs are a monophyletic group, and that means that the clad dinosauria includes dinosaurs and all of their descendants. It's kind of the typical way that things are described in phylogeny and cladistics, whereas fish and reptiles are paraphyletic groups, which means they only include particular descendants. And since we don't have nice, clean definitions, it leads to a lot of room for interpretation for what should be included. So reptilia or other paraphyletic groups have all sorts of arguments that go on about what should be a reptile and what shouldn't. In fact, depending on who you ask, birds are either reptiles or aren't reptiles. And since reptiles are paraphyletic, there isn't really a right answer. This is the same reason why we don't consider humans to be fish or reptiles, because both fish and reptiles are paraphyletic groups and we just kind of arbitrarily say like, eh, people don't count. We're our own thing. So <laughs> most scientists kind of seem to prefer monophyletic groups because they're much easier to understand and leave less room for interpretation. And I definitely prefer them because it gets really confusing when you start talking about reptiles and then you have to make all these exceptions. Whereas dinosaurs, it's just, well, they evolved at this point and then anything that came after them is also a dinosaur including birds. Although then you have to say non-avian dinosaurs, which I guess are like a paraphyletic group. Anyway. <laughs> Interesting. Yeah. And that wraps up this episode of I Know Dino. Thanks again, and until next time. find cars like these on auto trader new cars used cars electric cars maybe even flying cars okay no flying cars but as soon as they get invented they'll be on auto trader just you wait auto trader